Hello and welcome to the Infinite Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Willis. In my role as a coach, I aim to inspire people to believe that the sky is the limit. In this podcast, I will provide information on mindset, fitness and nutrition with amazing guests as we look to unlock your own infinite potential. I'm your host Beth Willis and I have another awesome guest with me today and he has been a good friend of mine for the last couple of years uh, and kind of ever since I met him when we worked in the same gym together um, he now successfully runs uh, two gyms of his own and has a really really interesting backstory which we're going to focus on today and that is he is an ex-Royal Marine so Today's podcast is going to be focused around the marine mindset. We dive into how you can use that or how Ross is using that to deal with COVID and how he is then supporting his clients through that as well. He also gave some great business examples, some working examples um, and loads of examples specifically focusing on ownership, accountability and integrity. So loads of gems, the odd swear word um, and Hopefully, as always, as I said, loads of gems for you to take away. Um, without further ado, here is this week's podcast. Yeah, we are officially recording across GarageBand, across Zoom. Live internationally in East Anglia. Boom. <laughs> the, the kind of joys of modern technology. As, as I just said to you a minute ago, I've just spent an hour discussing all things female menopause. And now we're going to spend however long over the next half an hour 40 minutes discussing all things marine mindset so kind of flipping a coin (laughs) flipping a coin (laughs) how are you ross you good yeah i'm all right life's all right can't complain um we're in funny weird times but i've got a roof over my head and food on the table so can't complain really all good and that's you probably already kind of tapping into a little bit of that kind of marine mindset about about the current situation. Um, and uh, for those kind of listening to this podcast that are like, okay, so Beth's got this chap called Ross on. He's got a roof over his table. He's got roof over his head and food on his table. Got but roof who, over my table, yeah. who <laughs> is he? Who is Ross? Um, elevator pitch. Go. So I grew up in a little village called Burwell, uh, now living in Newmarket. When I was 18, I joined the Royal Marines, spent four or five years uh, in the Marines. I then got a one-way ticket to Australia, lasted about six, seven weeks in Australia. Then I went to Dubai, and then I spent three years in Dubai, running fitness business out there. Um, And then I came back to the UK about two years ago, just over two, two and a half years ago. Um, and I now own two gyms in the area, um, one in Linton Village, and then another one just between Newmarket and Soham. So, yeah, personal training, um, online coaching, all that, all that jazz is is what I do. So, 
and applying, you know, all the things that I learned from the Marines um, with regards to mindset and, you know, work ethic and all that type of thing, professionalism and timekeeping and all that type of stuff to my business and my, um, and also, you know, teaching those, those skills to my clients as well and hopefully benefiting them, not just physically, but mentally. So... That's the brief summary, very quick summary. <laughs> well, um, it's certainly a global summary because I imagine in the Marines, you, you know, you travelled and then Australia, Dubai, um, and then kind of full circle back to Newmarket, which is obviously where we met a couple of years yeah. ago um, when we were both working at the, at the same gym in Newmarket. Um, why the Royal Marines? Um, it was an accident. Okay, so I don't think many people would say they accidentally <laughs> no, got into the it, it was funny, actually. I was, um, I was doing uniform public services at college. Um, I knew I didn't want to go to university from the age of sort of 15, 16 years old. Um, I wanted to do something that was sort of government-led, so whether that was the police force or the, the, um, the fire service or the Royal Air Force or the Marines or whatever it was. The Marines never really popped up. Um, I didn't really know much about them. Um, I just walked into the careers office and I was um, actually, actually okay. I was supposed to be um, joining the Royal Air Force as a search and rescue winchman. Um, didn't really have a clue. Yeah, completely random. Walked into the Navy because the Naval office and the, and the RAF office were in the same building in Cambridge. So I went there to try and, and, I, and the RAF paid well um, compared to the Marines. So that was, that was my sort of first, you know, what I wanted to do. But the, the point when I joined was the peak of the credit crunch. And what happened was that there was a massive influx of people trying to join the armed forces mm-hmm. because it was a government paid job, which meant that you would never lose your income. Um, so a lot of people lost their jobs. They're trying to apply to join the army, the Navy, the Royal Air Force, all the rest of it. I got put on a five year waiting list. So I got to my final interview, got put on a five year waiting list, came in, um, we had the old mobile phones then where you would like text and mm. you know you get your voicemails come through and all the rest of it and everyone would actually listen to them um, for some reason I didn't get the voicemail come through so the interview got cancelled um, I turned up in my suit they were like did you not get you know the uh, voicemail mm. um, and I said no I didn't they said oh you know we're really sorry you've been put on a five-year waiting list and because of my age they just thought that you know I could go and do something else for three years or four years or whatever it was. But little did they know my mum was leaving. She was moving to Dubai at the time and I wasn't going to go and live with my nans. So, um, yeah, there was this guy who had blue eyes and he was tanned and he had some big arms sat there (laughs) on a chair. (laughs) And it was basically a Marine who had busted his ankle um, playing football for for the Royal Marines. Um, So... Yeah, he said, you look like a fit chap. Can you do 10 pull-ups? I said, yeah. So I did 10 pull-ups right there and then because um, I had a little bar. In inside your suit? The yeah. And then uh, that was it. Signed on the dotted line, came home, told my mum. She was in shock for about a week. And then and then that was it. About four or five weeks after college, um, I passed my pre-Royal Marines course. And then I start, I'd started after the summer break. That was it. Down to Limpston, ready to rock and roll. Down to Limpston, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I am not going to um, kind of delve too deep into the training because I think we're, we're going to that's going to be a big topic of of the of the podcast and of our chat, kind of how how they build, how do they create a Royal Marine? But 
straight away, I think that's a testament. Obviously, we're good friends, but I think it's a testament to you as a person that you could pivot and achieve getting into, you know, there's a pre-selection course to just go on to the training mm. course. You know, yeah. yes, even if you apply generally for the army, you go for like small assessment days here and there. But, you know, yeah. you yeah. unless unless there's an issue, you should be able to pass those with your eyes closed and find yourself yeah. ready and waiting to start normal basic training like I did. Um, yeah. But to be able to pivot and complete the pre-selection course to be yeah. ready to go, um, obviously that shows you've got a little bit about you, like you're resilient, obviously physically fit, um, but I think, would you agree that the training probably creates more of a mental robustness as well? Yeah, I mean, most most of it is mental, so it was quite funny actually, because I remember going on my pre-Royal Marines course, and that's the three-day course that you have to go on and you have to pass before mm. you're allowed to start training. Now, before that, you've had a couple of other tests, like gym fitness tests and stuff like that, because they don't want to waste loads of money on you. Um, they want the guys that are good, that show that they've got good will and good determination and all the rest of it. And it was funny, I, I, I obviously didn't have a clue what the Royal Marines was. I didn't know where they were based. I didn't have a clue about where 40 Commando was or where 4-5 Commando was or, you know, some people will join the armed forces based on the location of the bases because they want to be near home. Whereas I didn't have, I didn't have any family back in the UK come September. So I was sort of, you know, I was sort of a, you know, a free bird. I was, I didn't mind where I went, whether mm. it was Scotland, whether it was the Southwest and all the rest of it. So it didn't really matter to me. But when I was on, when I was on these courses, there was so many people that had prepared for years to go on, to go on to the pre-Royal Marines course, just to get past that, to start training. Um, you know, all these guys that have been, you know, working on OTC officer training courses uh, in college and all that type of thing. And, and there was me rocking up, didn't have a clue, didn't know how to talk, um, you know, just, you know, a young lad. Um, and yeah, I just thought if I'm fit enough, I'll be able to pass this. Um, but it wasn't all about fitness. So when I, I remember, I remember getting into the first second week of training mm. and they call it shock of capture so you go into a big room there's like 60 beds in the room um you've got to keep the place immaculate for two weeks you've got to iron you know your pillowcase every morning all that type of stuff they wake you up at 5 a.m you go to bed at 12 30 like it's you know just like a rigid routine it's constant and they you know they beast you basically to try and get rid of the lads at the start um that are weak-minded basically mm. And I think that's what, that's the biggest thing that I learned through Marines. It didn't really, you had to be physically fit to a point, um, but physical fitness couldn't get you through Marine training. Um, the fittest lad on our course quit in week nine. Um, and I'm talking when we used to do like, um, we used to do uh, laps of the camp. Yeah. Stuff like that. He would shoot off. I would be about average in the middle somewhere. He would be right at the front way way in front of everyone else you know he's tall six foot two um athletic um slim build super super fit got to week nine and we went down to bottom field so you go from gym training into mm -hmm. bottom field training which is what they used to call man fitness where you start you know going across the assault courses and doing the log training and all the rest of it and he just he just couldn't cope with the pressure at that point um and I, I just remember thinking, God, like if that guy, and that, and that's where the mental games start to play in 
because if that I was thinking in my head, God, if that guy quit, am I good enough to pass this course? And that's what it's all about is them playing these games with you mm. and seeing whether you can push on and stay resilient. Um, and, and it's good. It's good for everyday life because situations like this, COVID-19, I just think the only thing that annoys me is finances. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about not seeing people for a few weeks. I'm not worried about, um, you know, it, it's all situations where I feel like I can overcome them. Yeah. Um, and being told to stay home and sit on the sofa and watch Netflix isn't that difficult, to be honest. Um, you know, there's and, and, the, and the worst thing is there's, there's, there's people that are so much worse off. Mm. Um, you know, people just need to feel a bit like grateful for what they've got. Because um, I think yeah. like even even if we even if I go back to like, you know, when you join the Marines, it's, it's the elite, you know, elite fighting force of, of the Navy and. Um, obviously I just I went through kind of what you'd call normal normal kind of basic training for the army and even there they sh- they strip everything right back you you know you don't have a room of your own you just have this small bed space you've got a bed to worry about and a two-door wardrobe that if your toothbrush isn't lined up with your toothpaste yeah you know you're in trouble and you have to prove that you you know everyone's got a double set of toothbrush and toothpaste so they're using that one and they're hiding it somewhere else so that it can keep the one in the wardrobe immaculate but it has to look like it's still been used so you're there quickly wetting your toothbrush just in case and you know lining everything up and you everything is stripped back to real basics of being able to kind of move look after others move well look after others and just keep your head in the game you know no matter how tired you get no matter how hungry you get no matter how physically tired you feel yeah you you can there is another there is still another line like it's that whole kind of is it david goggins that rule of you think you're done you actually only kind of 40 percent there like there's always more and and that's definitely true like i i remember some nights thinking bloody hell like you know we've done we've done two fitness sessions today we've um done four lectures we've been beasted twice on top of that um we've had to iron and dry and clean and scrub and get around other lads and help them and the amount of stuff the productivity that we had every single day Mm. the amount of stuff that we did then we had to eat four times so you had to eat four hot meals a day as well so you had six six a.m you had like 10 minutes to go and eat yeah and then you had 12 o'clock, 10 minutes to go and eat, 5 p.m., 10 minutes to go and eat. And then we used to have what was called nine o'clockers. And we'd go at nine o'clock again and eat again. So you're on this like 5,000 calorie a day diet just to just to try and maintain your mm. weight. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, there was a lot of, there was a, there's a lot of games that they play. I think that was one of the things that was good about the time that I joined is I was used to college and being told what to do. So we went from school to college straight into joining the Marines. I think a lot of the older lads found it a lot tougher. Yeah. If you were 25, 26, 27 years old and you've been, you know, working for someone else or you've been in a managerial position and then suddenly this 22-year-old corporal Marine starts gobbing off at you and telling you that you're shit, um, I think they found it harder to take, whereas I would just go, okay, yeah, I'm going to go and do that. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. Yeah. You know, they asked me to jump, I'll do it. Um, so yeah, I think some lads find, found it a lot harder than others. I, I was, yeah, I, I found the youngsters as long as they were fairly fit and you know didn't have much to go back for, then then they'd they'd pass with relative ease. Um, 
but yeah, you'd have to drag quite a few people through. Um, there was certainly people that we didn't want to get in. And I think a lot of the, the DS or the, you know, the, the sort of staff, the staff that you have taking you through training and stuff like that, they would definitely make people known to not want to be passed, like get to get through training. Mm. So there were certain situations where you'd see that a bloke keeps messing up. And the, and the, and the one thing that they did was it was one in all in. So if yeah. one person messes up, everyone messes up. So everyone's going to get thrashed for one person's mistake. Now, what happens after a certain period of time, if that person keeps messing up, the lads are then going to say, boy, shithead, you know. Mm. Have a word. It's t- yeah. yeah. Like, get a grip of yourself. Start doing X, Y, and Z. And if you can't do it, quit, because you're doing my head in, you know, because mm. you can only take it for so long. And that's the kind of way that they get rid of people. Um, so we started with, like, 60 blokes in that one room and then that whittled down to about 16 original guys at the end um so it's a big it's a big drop-off rate mm. um but, you how know, long is the lot... course again it's quite long isn't it training yeah it's 32 it's eight months if you don't fail anything well yeah so basically every, every single week there's a there's a test or an exam or something that you need to work towards which is pass or fail if you fail then you'll go back two weeks in training and then you'll retake those two weeks with the troop that's behind you. Um, you're allowed three fails and then they, and then you've gone. So It's very, I mean, it's like a lot in the military. It's very much just black and white. You know the rules, you know where you stand. Yeah. Um, and it's up to you to control what you can control within that. Um, and I think that's that links really well to kind of how you said about being able to deal with, with COVID. Okay, what can I control? What is in my control? And now it's up yeah. to me to react to that in the best possible manner what is out of my control okay well that just needs to stay in its box because i can't do anything about it and the energy that i'm spending worrying about it is going to negatively impact the energy i spend dealing with what i can control Um, and in terms of once you'd once you'd passed training um and obviously four or five years in the marines um kind of living with a group of people that are so similarly driven you know you kind of all all got that strong mindset physically fit um you know driving forwards week in week out how hard was the transition out of the out of the military get my words out um i would say that it was bittersweet leaving um so i just joined at a bad time where there wasn't much going on um, I joined in the final year of Afghanistan and then the Marines were trying to find themselves again. And I think they were just wanted a bit of a break. Whereas I was sort of a young gun. I wanted to be going away all the time. And we did go on trips and we, we did anti-piracy and all this other stuff, but the Marines were still finding their feet um, about what they were supposed to do after Afghanistan. Cause they'd had Northern Ireland, Iraq, Afghanistan, and then this big sort of like, Oh my God, like we've got nothing, um, nothing going on. Um, so, so part of the reason why, well, I suppose if I just give a bit of insight to mm. why I probably left is probably because there wasn't a lot going on. Um, you don't sign up to sit on camp and go on sunny trips. You sign up to go and do the job that you were trained to do. And I mm. didn't get to do that. Um, so leaving the Marines, um, the, the, I thought it was going to be an easy transition, um, found it quite difficult in the first year just dealing with people that weren't doing the things that they say they were going to do yeah 
So it was very much a big boy's mentality. It was like, right, go and do that job, blah, blah, blah. Here's the list. As soon as you're done, you're finished for the day and that, and it's over. And and you would say yes. And then the, you, they knew the job was going to get done and it was going to get done to a, to a good standard. Um, and then you could, you could go and basically relax for the rest of the yeah. day as soon as those tasks were complete. Um, so all the lads would work their socks off to try and get the tasks done early so they could then finish work early. Whereas... When I got into, basically in the fitness industry, the worst, I think the hardest thing for me was under, understanding that people didn't have the same work ethic. Yeah. Though so it was, it was, it was training someone who would complain constantly and me not being able to understand that that's their threshold, not my threshold. Um, that was quite a difficult transition because people would be like, oh, I'm tired. And I'd be like, you know, you're not even 50%. You're not even halfway. Like, you cannot be, like, you're out of breath slightly, but you can continue. So I think for me, that was the hardest thing to try Mm. and get my head around was understanding other people's thresholds aren't the same as mine. Yeah. Um, And that was just, that was just me being young I think I don't think that that was I don't think that was necessarily Marines as as a, as a whole but it was me being able to understand and empathize with other people mm-hmm. um and understand where they're coming from and that's their limitation and it's not my limitation then me trying to find out where their limitation is and then okay that's that's their ceiling I'm going to try and push past their ceiling and gradually bring it up rather than getting frustrated that it's not up at my ceiling yeah and I think that was the hardest thing plus there's there's not there's not a lot of support on the leaving process so they're supporting your education but there's no support on how to handle normal life again yeah I could Um, completely agree with that there's not a lot of support like you know by the way people might do this or people might say that or you probably shouldn't swear as much around people the yeah. same way, or speak the same way that you do when you're around the guys in the Marines or, or you know, whatever it is. Mm. Um, so I think those cues and those, it would have been nice to have a couple of lectures just before I left, just to be like, by the way, this is what you should expect and please don't get frustrated and here's a number to call if you're, you know, feeling down or whatever and mm. things like that. But I think definitely, um, yeah, that they were definitely the hardest things that I was trying to transition and, understanding that civilians are five minutes late is acceptable whereas it's not it's not acceptable in the marines five minutes anything anything four minutes early is unacceptable yeah so you have to be five five minutes early is on time because yeah. basically when you say eight o'clock it means that you should have been there five minutes before so you're ready to go at eight o'clock not turn up at eight o'clock or five past eight so i think those were probably timekeeping uh, and then understanding other people's levels mm. That's um, one of the things that I found the hardest, even when I was still in and was like meeting friends and like you're back for the like a back for a weekend or something because you're constantly away. You're back for a weekend and you're like, yeah, we'll meet for coffee at half eleven. I remember meeting a friend or, you know, attempting to meet a friend for it was half eleven and I was there early. Granted, I was there at eleven. Mm. And I was just like, well, at least I know I'm here. Like, because I hadn't been, I can't remember where we were meeting, but I hadn't been there for ages. So I was like, I didn't know about parking. So I gave myself all of this window of opportunity to get everything right so I could still be on time, i.e. like 11.20 at the latest. Half 11 rolls by, nothing. 
quarter to 12 yeah. rolls by, nothing. I had to call her at 12. Where are you? Oh, sorry, I'm just running late. How yeah. on earth have you not communicated that? And how yeah. is half an hour late acceptable? And then I was like, I just, I literally, it took all of my kind of willpower to not blow my top because I was meeting somebody else at like two because you end up like, you almost book people in. You've got a weekend, so you're trying to see everyone. So I'm like, you don't yeah. understand. If you're not here soon, I'm going to go because yeah, I'm meeting exactly. somebody else and I'm not going to be late for yeah, them. Yeah, I've got something else on, yeah. 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 And, oh. I've, I've managed my day, yeah. you know, around you. Yeah, I think... I think that as well as the integrity thing as well mm. is that um, you were forced um, during that um, breakdown of training, you were forced to admit when you'd done something wrong mm. and they would find out who did it. So you might as well just admit it mm-hmm. and say that you'd messed up. Yep, that was me. I messed up. Um, I ballsed up. I was the one that did X, Y and Z. Great. Now we know who ballsed up and how it happened. We can move on. But what I can't, what what I still can't understand mm-hmm. is when people sit there and just flat out lie that it hasn't happened or it wasn't them, and they'll give you every excuse under the sun. Oh no, you know, it's basically just admit it, admit that you've done something wrong, and then we can move on from it. Yeah. But don't cover it up and try and you know come up with this excuse or this blame game of someone else or whatever you messed up take ownership of it take accountability and then crack on and move forward but i feel like especially nowadays there's so much in the way of um and i don't know whether it's just a generational thing but i i I just think a lot of people make a lot of excuses and blame other people for things that they're doing wrong it's ownership Um, isn't it it's taking the ownership and the accountability for sure um you know, I'm I'm happy to say, yeah, that was me that ballsed up. Um, won't happen again. Um, this is how we're going to find a solution to, to resolve it. I've already started putting these things into place. Um, that's effective because you've admitted you've done something wrong. You've also told everyone and it's aired. So it's off of your minds as well. Yeah. Um, and then you've come up with a solution to try and fix it. Instead, and, uh, yeah. what, a lot, what a lot of people do is they'll hide behind the problem, blame someone else for the problem, and then they'll have no solution to try and fix it or remedy it. And, the and truth, it just creates this seen... like, toxic sort of environment. Mm. And especially like when you're running a, running a business or you're looking after a team, like I've got two gyms, and someone will go, I'll, I'll say, you know, what happened here? You know, I'm not going to have a go at you. I just need to know. I need to know who done it, how it was done, what was said so I can fix it so that we can both learn from it and we don't make that mistake again. But what we don't need is being unproductive by saying, oh, no, well, it must have been so-and-so or it must have been this or, no, they did that. It's like, okay, you're the one that ballsed up here. So Mm. let's just admit that it was you that did it. I'll train you and teach you how to do it correctly and then we can crack on and be effective and productive. Yeah. And I mean, that just, you can see kind of where that has been built. Um, and in terms of kind of before, before we kind of jump into kind of how you manage and, and build and create these two gyms that you've done so well to, um, when you left the Marines and, and went to, to find yourself in Australia, um, mm-hmm. as many young people do, um, 
What then led to Dubai? I'm assuming was your mum still out there at the time? Is that somewhere yeah. that, that you kind of, was that your clear plan in leaving? Okay, this is what I'm going to go do. I'll try Australia for a bit. Didn't fancy it right. Dubai, yeah. bosh. I know what I'm going to do when I get to Dubai. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you have that plan? Uh, so, so, well, so long story short, how Dubai came into it, basically the, the, the year that I was joining the Marines, my stepdad at the time got, um, he got a job posting out in Dubai. Um, so he was working for Sheikh Mohammed's um, private air hangar as an engineer. So he was working on the planes and all that type of stuff. He got the job offer. That was it. He was like, right, I'm going. Um, mm. I'll see you later on. You know, my mum my waited until I joined the Marines and then she left as well, which was fine because I was always going to be stationed at a base, which mm. was nowhere near Cambridge or Newmarket, where we're from. Um, so, so, yeah, I just sort of went and visited them on summer leave and Easter leave and stuff like that. Not a bad place to visit. It's definitely um, not a bad place to visit. Yeah. So um, when I left, I, I knew quite a lot of people out there and I remember flying. So I had, um, I had hernia surgery 24 hours before I left the Marines and then I got on a plane the next day and flew, <laughs> flew out, <laughs> flew out. Um, wasn't supposed to fly, but never mind. Um, <laughs> we'll brush over that bit. <laughs> yeah. We'll brush over that. So, um, yeah, so I flew into Dubai, went for a beer with a few friends. One guy spoke to another guy. Hi, there's a personal training job out in Dubai. Um, you know, I'll get you in touch with this bloke. Um, so I went and met him, um, had, a, had a brief chat, and then that was it. Um, I didn't really think anything of it. I got on the plane to Australia after, you know, saying hi and goodbye to mum again got on the flat plane to Australia, spent seven weeks there. And I just realized that I, it wasn't the place for me at that time. Yeah. I wanted to leave, I wanted to leave the Marines and I wanted to go and start a career for myself. Um, and, and be able to control, um, the outcome of everything. So when you move to, when I moved to Australia on a working holiday visa, I just thought I'm just surrounded by backpackers that aren't taking life that seriously at the moment. Yeah. And I was done, I'd, I'd, I'd done the traveling and stuff and I'd been paid to do it, fortunately, um, being in the Marines. So I'd done the traveling, I'd done the university drinking in the Marines and yeah. I'd had the life, I'd had the lifestyle and, and the benefits of getting paid to do it as well. So backpacking for me wasn't really interesting. I wanted to go and start a career and, you know, you know, really excel at something. So I got a phone call about seven weeks later. Um, and he said, right, job's yours. I need you back in Dubai in two weeks if you want to accept. So I booked a ticket and went back to Dubai and that was it. Oh, um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I was fortunate enough that I had accommodation um, at least for a little while while I was there um, and then moved out and, and and that was it. And then it was, what, two, three years in Dubai? Two, three years in Dubai, spent the first year working for one company. Then I set up my own company a year later with an investor. Um, yeah, it was all going well, all, all, all good. Um, unfortunately, me and my business partner didn't have the same sort of view and vision for the business. So I decided to pack up and then came back to the UK um, and started all over again with all the knowledge that I'd learned from running a business out there and all the training and stuff that I had um, from the Marines and everything that they taught me. So I felt like I come back at the age of sort of 23, 24 years old and I was set to sort of be like, right, this is what I'm going to go and do and this is what I'm going to execute. 
this is when I'm going to do it. Um, and the good thing about um, marine mentality is that you're pretty stubborn to that. Yeah. So if you say you're going to do something, you, you generally, most of the time, you just go and do it. Um, try and fail. That, that's, an, that's another thing as well. Just, just the willingness to try and fail and not being scared of it is such a big thing. Um, all right, okay, lads, can we go and do X, Y, and Z? Well, I'm not really sure how to do it, but we'll give it a go. We'll mm. see where we end up. There's that and that's, basi- that's basically what I did. When I went to Australia, I thought, right, I've, I, I left the Marines on the Saturday. By the way, I had, I had hernia surgery on the Friday. Left the Marines on the Saturday. Sunday, stayed on camp overnight. Sunday, got a train from Plymouth to the airport and got on a one-way ticket to Dubai. Well, on the, on the, on the way to Australia... Stopped in Dubai for two weeks, said hello to mum, hi, bye, I'm off to go and do my thing. Um, and then Dubai was just like a bit of luck that happened yeah. in between. But I, I wouldn't say that's luck because I think... Well, yeah. I, I, and I think you'll agree, it's that it, it's, it's, you make your own luck, don't you? You put yourself in the right positions, you put yourself yeah. in the places that you can have those conversations. You know, yeah. some people would say it's luck that your mum was out there, you know, so you just chanced it. But actually, there'd have been something that you'd have said that would have sparked that guy that would have then noted it down and called you back. You're the reason that guy called you back. You know, not the reason that, you you know, your mum was living out there. He didn't give you the job because of that. He called you back because of something that you said. So you made your own luck to then get that position. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, um, obviously, we first met when you came back to Newmarket and I can... I can remember some of our early conversations kind of around, like, you know, at differing coffee houses within the Newmarket area. Um, uh, all of which we pretty much had loyalty cards for and it was you know I'm gonna have my own gym Um, I'm you know I want to use the gym at the time that I was managing can I use it yes cool and that was kind of a stepping stone to I knew you know you'd said it I'm gonna have my own gym I'm gonna have multiple gyms and we're now what two years on neither of us are in that facility I said I was gonna go self-employed I did it you said you were gonna have your own gyms you did it Um, and one thing that I want to pick up on where you said about failing is, and I think you'll agree with me, that there's a big difference between failing and failure. And yep. I think failure is when something happens that doesn't go to plan and you just accept it and, yeah, you, exactly. and you stop trying at whatever it was that you failed at and you admit mm-hmm. failure for it and you just leave it. Yep. Whereas, you know, failing at something learning changing applying kind of goes back to that integrity ownership it all kind of comes back to some of those big words that you'll have sat in lectures when you're absolutely tired and cold on a friday morning at limpston wondering why are we going through sea drills again you know i don't want to go through this again i know integrity i know this i know that but then 10 years later you're like it all boils down to integrity like it's important Um, it's, yeah, really important, and setting yourself goals that are not necessarily realistic at the time. Mm. Um, you know, if if I was when I was sixteen, my my goals were vastly different to what they are now. So, the goals that I set myself at sixteen was I'd love to own a house by the age of thirty, and I'd like to own a gym. And then, next thing you know, I'm twenty three years old, setting up my first business in Dubai. And it, it's a completely different level. Mm. So I think people sometimes sell themselves a little bit too short. Yeah, um, I would agree. And 
if you want to do something, just say it out loud, tell a bunch of people about it, and then go and do it. Is that you know, accountability? There's no, there's no, what, what's the worst, what's the worst that can happen? What, like, what is the worst that can happen? Especially if you're under the age of 40. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you've got much to lose, especially so, if you've got no kids and all the rest of it. Where are your responsibilities? What's the worst thing that can happen? You're going to move home with your mum again, maybe? Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to get a job at Tesco's. Is it the end of the world? Like, you know, so when I said, when I got back to the UK and I landed on, green grass again instead of desert sand. <laughs> and when I landed on green grass again, I just said to myself, right, I've got to go self-employed now. Like, I'm not going to go and look for a job anywhere. I'm going to go self-employed the day we come back. I'm going to get five clients this month. Okay, and then say that out loud. I'm going to get five clients this month. Get those five clients and then I'm going to build up to 15 to 20 clients. Then I'm going to keep building, keep building. And then when I've got enough money in the bank, I'm going to go and buy a gym that's run down. I'm going to go and find a venue where there's where it would be good gym space mm-hmm. and it's basically it was it was that that's all i had in my head was i'm going to go and prove to the person that i was working with in dubai that i'm i can do this and i can execute it well without you mm. and that was it and then i got the first gym in linton which we refurbished which was an old gym made a bunch of mistakes running that and then all the mistakes that i learned from that a year later went and got another one which so, is a lovely I, space. And that's that. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't as straightforward as mm. the way I've just explained it. But I think I think there's a lot to be said for people that just say things and then do those things. Because you'll hear it time and time again, friend circles and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much talk and not a lot of action. Mm-hmm. And the Marines only taught me one thing. If you say you're going to do something, just do it. Action. No point waiting around. There's no point procrastinating and thinking about it. There's, you know, if you overplan it and you wait for the perfect plan, it will never begin. Yeah. So start and st- take the stumbles and the falls and the hits along the way. Mm. Roll with the punches. Learn from every experience. And the more you, the more you fail, the more you learn. What is it? No, no plan survives first contact. Yeah. like without being cliche yeah. like it's it you know there is always there's going to be that something you know like yeah. um I, I obviously popped along to the opening opening kind of ceremony of of links and then all of a sudden bang covid all yeah. gyms close yeah and I'm, <laughs> we've been open for nine weeks yeah and then the gym shuts from a virus which i had no clue was coming no one could see the enemy coming didn't yeah so that's it first wave of attack and you're like well that plan's out the window now what am i supposed supposed to do bury should i bury my head in the sand and feel sorry for myself that the gym's no longer open it's not creating any revenue and i can't get any more members well what what am i supposed to do or i can i can start you know putting in the processes to make sure that there's still a business at the end of this you know what grants can we get what bills can i pause um mm-hmm. how do i how do i keep staff engaged through this um your social what media we, post what, yeah what do we need what do we need to do to look after members how can we go online and do video training mm-hmm. like that you just got to start thinking about all the things instead of going like oh god the world's going to end this is it like can't believe our luck oh poor old us no one cares the world's still going to keep turning mm-hmm the and days it, and are still coming like it, it's it was, not yeah it's all those things like you know it, it, nothing's gonna happen in a good the 
things like viruses or you know economic downturns and all all, all the rest of it no one's going to stop those things and you've got to either adapt or and overcome improvise adapt and overcome <laughs> yeah <I'm insane>. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you or you just or you just fail and you might as well not bother um you know some people will come out of this and they'll be you know i i I know for a fact that we'll come out the back end of this with a stronger business than when we went into it. Because now I've actually had to, I've been forced to take two weeks off and think about it. Or whatever, we're on a month now, aren't we? What, a month yeah. in lockdown? Yeah, give or take, yeah. Five, are we week five? Something like so that? I am starting to run out of jobs to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, there's a plan of action. It's like, right, okay, this is where we're going to put our money. This is what we're going to do now. Um, this is how we'll strategize when we reopen. This is what we're going to do for the marketing plan. This is how we're going to keep people engaged. Like you've got to, that, that's just, that's part and parcel of it. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if you're working for someone and you're just trying to get that manager's job, you know, or the, you know, you want to become the next director of whatever business mm. or company that you work within, you know, you've had the time now to think about where you want to go and what you want to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you've had the time now to be lazy and unproductive and sit and watch Netflix and eat Cheetos. Like, you know, you just got to make that choice, haven't you? Like, what, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, but yeah, the Marines definitely instilled in me that, you know, things like this are just sent to test us. And you can either overcome it or you can, you know, you can sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Very There's true. no other choice. What, how do, you know? Very, very true. The virus doesn't care. The virus doesn't care. So, and the government has to do as much as it can to protect, you know, its governing bodies, including the NHS, which we all know and love. So um, I don't blame anyone. Um, There's no one to blame. Then this is what I go back to saying earlier. There is no one to blame about this. Yeah. And the only people to blame, the only people to blame if they come out of this in a a more negative um, way at at the end of this process is themselves. And when you start taking accountability and ownership for the problems that you've got in your life, then you'll start to grow because the people that keep blaming other people, the people keep moaning about, oh, it's the government and oh, it's this and oh, it's that. And why did they make that decision? And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, mm. you know, you just start, start looking at yourself first before you start moaning about other people. I think, you know, um, are you are you in the right place? Are you in the right job? Have you excelled in your career? Um, is your relation are your relationships good? Are the, are the friends around you good? You know, are you financially in a good position? Um, you know, it, all these things. You know, start start reflecting on your own on, on yourself yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Look after your own house before you start. You know, knocking down everyone else's. But it's, um, yeah, it's funny to see all the keyboard warriors, you know, whinging and whining and it's his fault and it's that fault and the government didn't lock down quick enough and blah, blah, blah. And what, what's going to happen with my business? And I can't claim benefits because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z and they've missed me out. And, you know, stop doing that. Just, just I think the, the easiest, the, the, the best thing that I do when I go through life is I just think no one is here to help me ever like no one is here to help me the only person that can help me is myself and the people immediately around me that's it and if you start thinking like that and you take accountability and ownership of those things 
then you'll start to you'll start to do well and you'll start to progress. You start taking so action. Start taking action. Yeah. yeah. I think um, instead of sitting there and thinking about it, do it. Stop telling people on social media. Just go and do it. My one thing that I've kind of started doing myself and suggesting to kind of my group from time to time is, you know, that you do not need to watch kind of the daily update every single day. You do not need to know what goes across Facebook every hour of every feed. You know, generally speaking, not much is changing day to day. And if it's important information that directly affects you, chances are it's going to affect another million people minimum in this country. So you will hear about it in one way or another. But mm. sitting behind a laptop or behind a screen and constantly seeing all this negativity come through, and you, you're probably not adding to it yourself. And most people I, that work with me aren't adding to it themselves, but they're being over-consumed, they're over-consuming it. And it's then just bringing in so many seeds of doubt, so many. And it's, it's, I've, I've said, if you can do one thing with your social media at the moment, it's funnel what you need from it. Understand that social media isn't, you see everything because you have to. Take control over that as well. You know, unfollow a few things if you need to unfollow them. Clear, yeah, I mean, clear, a lot of the things, yeah. the, worst, the worst thing that we see is people that are headline readers. Mm. No, no one, no one looks into the depth of anything anymore. You know, if you're on social media, you'll read the Huff Post or you'll read something else, and it's it's headlines, and then they'll read this headline that's been taken from a snippet and turned into something that it wasn't, and then they just believe it straight away, and then next thing you know, they're, you know, it's 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 all those things like the scandal, the, the thing that came out about Victoria Beckham furloughing mm. all of her staff. I'm not being funny. You don't know the financial situation of that business. You don't know if there's other directors involved with that business. You know nothing about it. The, there's no point in having an opinion and wasting your time on something which is nothing to do with you. Yeah. So like it, it's, not, it's none of your business. It's literally none of your business. So don't even bother having an opinion on it. Well, it comes because back to that wasted energy, doesn't it? And it's complete, you know, it's complete wasted energy, wasted time. What could have you been doing yourself to better your life and your immediate family's life and looking after them? What can you do to do that? What can you do to better yourself? Are you exercising enough? Are you sleeping enough? Are you looking after your business? Um, what can you do to support the company that you work for right now? Um, you know, who can I get in contact with that I haven't spoken to in a long time and have a genuine catch up because you just haven't had the time because you've been busy, you know, mm. going on with life. Now, what can you teach yourself? All these things are positive. So you need to look at things. It's like, okay, all these things are positive and all these things are negative And I should really stop with those things and reduce the amount of that that I do. And I should increase the amount of that, that I do. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's one of the lessons that I would take out of this is that, um, certainly people will either use their time wisely during this crisis or they will use their time negatively um, during this crisis. And, and, and there's so much that you can still do. I mean, look at us. We're sat here, you know, keep, keeping productive with our time. Hopefully some, someone will learn one, you know, 60-second snippet out of this podcast. Hopefully someone will go, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll yeah. take that and I'll start using that and applying it to my life. Um, you know, so there's there's so many things that you can do in a time like this. 
you know, there's nothing for us to complain about. And you're going to have bad days. Everyone's going to have bad days. I had a bad day this week where I was just like, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm sick of this. And then mm. you sort of snap, snap yourself out of it. You're self-aware. Right, this is this is what I need to do now to, to move forward and progress. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, I'll, I'll admit I had I had that day yesterday. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? I just couldn't couldn't get out of my own head to start with. Everything that I'd normally do on a morning routine, I was just like, nah, cannot get out of my own head. And then I was like, okay, obviously I need to just kind of have a have a moment, self-reflect, put the laptop down, stop over, kind of just, just stop for a second. And I was like, right, I'm going to go back to work at one o'clock. And between now and one, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I fancy doing. Because yeah. I've got the time today and I'm not needed on a specific call or anything like that. So chilled out with the dog for a bit, watched a little bit of crap and just just kind of like slowed everything down for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I yesterday afternoon, it's... I just, I didn't, I then I didn't come back with, oh my God, I now need to do 24 hours work in six hours. I came yeah. back with a small tick list of, do you know what, if I get these done today, this afternoon, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And I got yeah. them done, delivered a good session to the my longest term client um, on Zoom, cooked dinner, had a gin and was like, do you know what, yeah, that's what today needed to be. Tomorrow yeah. is a new day. Yeah, you'll reset. Yeah. And normally a good sleep does that. I had a, I had the best sleep. I'd had I'd had rubbish <laughs> sleep all week, like weird dreams, all sorts, and it all must have like just crescendoed yesterday morning. I was just, yeah. you know, it just wasn't. Funny, I, I learned this from my rugby coach when I was younger. Actually, um, he said, when we win, we go back to the drawing board, and when we lose, we go and have a beer. Yeah. And it's always stuck with me that because when you're in a positive when you're in that positive mindset you have the capacity to continue yeah and, and carry on that path um when you're in a negative mindset you probably just need to go and clear your head have a bit and that always stuck with me that it was mm. like when we win we go back to the drawing board and when we lose we go and have a beer and that i've just always used that now is the days that i just don't feel productive and i don't feel like i want to crack on and do things you're probably best just going for a long dog walk and clearing the head and turning your phone off for a bit and just letting your mind, you know, relax. Yeah. Definitely. Let the feelers come back in and then the next day you can crack on and... Yeah, and like, and like you say, like, and I'm, I'm really glad you kind of caveated um, kind of, you know, the positives and the negatives with, do you know what, you know, you are going to have a day where you're just like, you know, it, it, you're just not motivated or you just feel unproductive and it is important to be able to... Uh, understand and assess those days like you said it's that it doesn't even always need to be a day like yesterday for me I just just needed the morning like I just wanted my phone to leave me alone and I just wanted just like I needed that just silence or nothing that was coming in that needed me to process I just felt like my processor was a little bit full so I just watched something that literally a two-year-old could watch I can't remember what I sat and watched I obviously didn't even properly watch it like I just watched nothing and chilled with the dog and then there was space yesterday evening to be like, right, okay, I need to make sure I'm sorted for these podcasts. Need That's tomorrow, so it needs to be done today. X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. And now, like, you're back on that positive path. You can keep on keep on resetting. And you don't always yeah. need to be doing that, but you're not failing if for one day you drop slightly. 
No, no, absolutely not. And as long as it's temporary. Mm. So I think the self-awareness is key. So mm-hmm. if you find that you've slumped into that for like a couple of days, okay, you probably need to have a bit of a rain check. Maybe yeah. you need to call someone, maybe you need to get something off your chest um, in order for you to move on. Um, but I think more than a couple of days of feeling a bit sorry for yourself and not in that frame of mind, I think, okay, right, now you need to probably have a little bit of a rain check and you know think about what it is that you want to do and what you want to complete and get, get done. Um, but yeah, like you said, like I, I had a day this week where I was just like, do you know what? Can't be bothered. I'm not in the mm. mood for it. I'm not going to be productive even if I try. Yeah. If I force myself to sit in front of the laptop and I force myself to do X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. Don't get me wrong. I still went and exercised. I still went and did that. But, you know, work-wise, wasn't going to be a productive morning or afternoon or whatever mm. it was. But it's okay. Just, you know, go and clear your head have a little think, turn technology off, reset, and then, right, next day, let's go and do this, bang, bang, bang. And I think that's going to be probably one of the biggest takeaways from um, from this podcast, and there's there's numerous, you know, we've, we've covered, like, ownership, we've covered integrity, we've covered action, you know, understanding failing, failure, um, self-reflection, and just kind of being, being more aware of, like you said, you, your immediate circle and the effect that you can have on that. Not trying kind of to take on too much, but also not trying to worry about things that you can't control, i.e. what new government decision has been made today. If it affects you, then you need to worry about what the effects are going to do and how you can either mitigate them or make the most of them. Yeah. You can't, there's no point in change, you can't change the decision. No. It's about reacting to what then comes from each decision. Um, in terms of your client base and your your team, um, mm-hmm. as you know, I'm, I'm sure some of them have had like runs cancelled, like mine have. Um, you know, they've been gearing towards something that's then like poof, gone, kind of in terms of date. How have you approached kind of supporting them through it? Um, so the first thing I did, I got when the lockdown kicked in, I was sort of very very quick to adapt Mm -hmm. so i was like right okay what software system can we use or what can we do to try and keep communication open and how can i use that system to continue to support them and train them don't get me wrong there's plenty of clients which have fallen off the wagon Mm -hmm. plenty and i'll be honest that that's that's just one of those things when a crisis like this happens several several things will happen is firstly people will start looking at their finances yeah. And let's, let's not get it wrong. Personal training is a luxury service. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not toilet paper or food. You know, you, <laughs> you don't need it every single day. So, um, you know, there, there was a huge chunk of people that sort of went, you know, I'm not going to be able to continue doing this. But that being said, you know, I've started doing group, group classes in the evening via Zoom, um, training people one-to-one on WhatsApp calls and things like that. Um, finding out what equipment they have at home, what can they use, can they fill a backpack full of weight? How do we, how do we continue to at mm-hmm. least keep them in that um, phase of, um, what's it called? In that phase of sort of maintenance and or continuing to, you know, attack their goals. Yeah. Um, 
but also I found like there's a lot more people have people have got a lot more time on their hands now and mm -hmm. I've seen a lot more use on Strava mm -hmm. running cycling um going for walks in the evening when most people were just sort of like doing a nine to five coming home getting on the sofa and watching Netflix whereas actually now they've got time on their hands when it gets to six seven p.m especially now it's light they're going for a long walk in the evening I see yeah. a lot more couples now when I go when I go for a walk or do some outdoor exercise walking around and and moving more so hopefully at the end of all this we see a positive sort of transition that actually exercise doesn't necessarily need to be going to the gym every single day yeah but when you get home from work why can't you go for a 45 minute walk um so i think this has proven to a lot of people that even you know getting the getting the bike out and dusting it off um you know going for a cycle in the morning or in the evening or whatever it might be i feel like people might just be a bit more active um i've certainly noticed that. after all of this but yeah, as far as as far as clients concerned, I've I've just been focusing on you know teaching people home workouts and using stuff at home to try and train. And don't get me wrong, like there's a lot of lot of my clients that cannot without the resistance, and because the, if they if their goal was like strength related, mm -hmm. you know, you, I can't create a hundred and fifty kilo deadlift back at home. Um, so I think it's one of those things is trying to teach technique, trying to keep them engaged um, and positive. And those that can't continue, there's just as long as I'm as long as we're communicating still, that's fine. Um, you know, I understand there's going to be people that are going to be made redundant through this process. There's going to be yeah. people that are self-employed, which are struggling. There's going to be people that are furloughed, that weren't on big wages that, you know, that 20 percent reduction or whatever it is, is, is a big blow to them. Um, and there's no point. There's no point being being the trainer that begs and begs and begs. Like, oh no! You know, yeah. People have their own problems. You yeah. know? People have their own problems, and if they can't continue, they can't continue. So it's just a matter of trying to support them as much as possible, mm -hmm. um, trying to keep them engaged. Um, for myself, trying to focus on um, how I can teach more people in the realms of YouTube or social media and trying to help people that way things like running the podcast and all that type of stuff yeah um it's just it's just trying to you know navigate through the through the obstacles and then you know hopefully at the end all these new things that i've learned will then benefit you know my clients at the back end of it um yeah. you know using apps you know i've got my own app that I, that I train people on. I've now like loaded up loads of programs on there. So there's more than 20 programs on there. They get recipe books every month, all that type of things. So there's ways to keep people mm -hmm. motivated and engaged. And they might, it might not be necessarily hitting all of their fitness and training targets, but they might be now focusing more on cooking at home and cooking from scratch. And, um, doing daily acti you know, activities for daily living, ADLs. Mm. Um, so I feel like although training might have come down, activities for daily living might have gone up. People Definitely. are washing their own cars, they're cutting their own grass, they're cleaning their homes themselves. Um, Definitely. You know, they're, not, they're, not going, they're, not, they're not necessarily going to the car hand wash, they're not necessarily getting the gardener in, they're not necessarily getting the cleaner in now because they've got the time on their hands to do it themselves. They're burning more fuel in daily life, which mm. is what you know, we as trainers constantly promote anyway. Um, 
and they're also now finding the time to actually starting to learn how to cook. Yeah, taking more time over cooking. Sleep as well. I found some people's sleep has improved. Some, not all, because you know they're 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 more relaxed into the evening. Um, yeah. So generally, stress and anxiety for most part can be lower, meaning they're getting to sleep better. Mobility, yeah, yoga. Some people are looking into things like that, which you know maybe in and around a busy work a bit bu- you know a busy work life. You know, I've got. A, I think you'll probably have a mix as well. I've got a mix of everyone from kind of self-employed to employed and employed and still working full-time from home with Mm -hmm. children employed working full-time from home without children so then you've got the teaching self-employed no longer working but still got children so they're now being you know that takes up a a period of time um you know kind of where i am so self-employed with a lot less workload so Mm -hmm. you know other time and there's like this big kind of spread of of everyone's different situations um, and just trying to support every single person that is in my team as best as I can in their given situation. So like I sent a list the other day for like ideas, you know, I've not got kids, but you know, I was like, what would be fun to do if I was stuck indoors? Cause the, cause it was absolutely chucking it down. Like it did Monday. I was like, why don't yep. you build a den and have a movie day? Screw school. Yeah. Chuck all the cushions off the sofa, build it in. If that gets them through two films, you're through four and a bit hours of your day. Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. And as a, yeah. as a mum, when there's, you know, two young kids, it's actually, do you know what, that might just be just enough to help that person get through that day. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, working from home and, and trying to homeschool from home, I'm trying to just try and get those people to just take the pressure off themselves. You're not a teacher. You're not yeah. going to get it perfect, Okay try and strike a balance with your children you do an hour worth of what you want them to do then let them do an hour's worth of what they want to do you know and throughout the whole time i've been quite fortunate in terms of um especially my boot camp that so many of them have stuck with it because it gives them structure so many people lost structure four or five weeks ago Um, yeah i mean we've we've got like accountability groups now mm -hmm. on on mm-hmm. Facebook and all that type of th- stuff. Even even if they're not training with me specifically, they might just be members at the gym that yeah. are, you know, training themselves. All that type of stuff. Whatever we can do to try and keep them engaged, um, and support them with whatever problems they've got. You know, people might message on there saying, "Oh, I'm not feeling very motivated today," and it's not even just me that's motivating them. It's yes. other members that are motivating them, and it's building that community and network around each other. Um, that and that's magic. Yeah, that's absolutely magic. Um, and you know, having especially with links, for example, the um, your most recent gym that you've opened, being able to still develop a community virtually for that new gym right now, you know, the fact yeah. that you can still do that is testament to obviously yourself and your business partner, but a massive testament to the members that you'd already started to create there. And you know, they'll be ready and excited for that gym to reopen. Yeah, and they're constantly messaging us like, can't wait to come back and all this other stuff. Mm. Like, when's the merchandise coming? They all want links, T-shirts and all that type of thing. The fact that we'd be able to create that community within a nine-week period without having any knowledge that this was going to happen, yeah. um, I think is, like, fantastic. It's, it's great. Yeah. And likewise with you as well, with your boot camp and all the rest of it. It's just, yeah. it's just good to have, like, a, you know, this network of you know people that are you know all all striving to become fitter and healthier and 
and have a more positive outlook on life, which is which is great. It's just like I'm waking up every morning at the moment. Um, some of my team, you know, might be up earlier than I am, and go onto the the WhatsApp group for the boot camp, and there's six, seven, eight good morning messages. Everyone's saying morning to everyone. And one of the one of the ladies is going out for a morning run, and when it was sunny, we were getting all the sunrise pictures. And then her mum went out for one, and it was like sunrise competition pictures for a few days after yeah. that. And we, everyone yeah. was voting as to whose sunrise was better. Yeah. And it's just such a nice conversation. And then we had a grey yeah, day, yeah. and then on the grey day, the the lady that had gone out for the run, instead of posting up grey clouds, she went back through her phone and put up our Halloween boot camp picture. Was like, I hope this doesn't scare you, and it was everyone's selfie of everyone dressed up, covered in mud for Halloween. Like, it's nice great. little throwback, have a good day. And that, yeah. like, I read them, you know, quarter, half past six, quarter to seven, and I'm reading seven or eight morning messages, and I'm like, that's a community. That That's people that are there if people need support. You know, we've been talking people through setting up Strava, and I can come back to it, and I'm like, oh, I'll see a message. And I'm like, right, I need to help that but I might be in a session, so I can't deal with something then and there. I go back to it an hour later, and four other members have already answered that question. And I'm like, well, they're good. They don't need me. I can yeah. I can go have my dinner now. I'm like, they're sorting it out amongst themselves, and it's so great and to see. This, this, is, this, is the, this is the positive way that people like us should, should adapt to mm. a time like this, because there's plenty of businesses now that have switched off. Yeah. And they're not supporting the people that come and see them. They're not supporting their customers and their clients. They're not helping. They're not being thoughtful to people's situations, um, personal situations, and you know the way that this you know has changed a lot of people's lives. Um, you know whether they've been made redundant or they're going through financial hardship or, or all these other things and issues that this something like this can cause. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we've we've tried to adapt and work and you know, um, you know, deal with what we've got, um, still trying to create that positive, um, you know, mentality and environment for people so that they're going to continue where they can and where possible um, and that we're going to be there for them on the other side of this. Mm. And then there's going to be other people that don't adapt, don't learn, don't recognise that they need to support and they just worry about themselves, especially when they're running their When you're running a business, it's not about you. You know, when you're running a business about other people and without those people, your business doesn't survive. So without those clients and those customers and that network and that service that you provided for those people, you don't have anything. Yeah, it's very true. So even if you're earning nothing right now, like no money whatsoever, you should be there to support people so that on the other side of this, when everything does go back to normal and people do go back to work and all the rest of it and people get their self self-employed businesses back up and running again and that, mm-hmm. that you're going to be there for them when it when are they on the other side of this yeah um, i feel like a lot of people will go wrong during this period and there's still time to turn it around if you're listening to this and you haven't done any of those things there's still time to reach out today and go right hi guys i've been sorting my own stuff out especially if you're a small independent you can blame it on yourself i've been sorting my, mm-hmm. myself out I've had to deal with x y and z if you guys need me for anything this is the type of services that we can do this is this that we can do and blah 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 and all the rest of it you know we work with a great coffee company Anglia Coffee Solutions that deal with our um, they, they give our coffee supplies they were the first company to message me and ask me if I needed to pause payment yeah I'm never going to use someone else 
every other company that we have to get supply from on B2B business basis and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. no one had contacted me. Yeah. But the independent coffee shop company from Barry and Edmonds, they were the ones to message me and say, guys, we don't mind if you pause your payment during the crisis because we know that you're not going to make any sales on coffee. And that, that's, right. yeah. That's that's the that's the that's what I want to hear. I don't want, I don't, you know, when you when you're when you're like begging for, you know, begging for something, mm. you know, it just gives you a bit of taste in your mouth for all these type of things. You know, when a client messages me and says, Ross, you know, I've been furloughed. Um, not sure if I can continue PT. Great, like like it's fine. Go take some time out. Mm. Um, if you need me, I'm always here. Um, you know, continue using the app where possible. You know, if you feel like at some point you want to jump in on a class or whatever, you know, you can do, you know, message me if you, you know, I'm always going to be there to support you. Um, but there's that, that's the different, that's the difference between the companies that will thrive after this and the ones that will, that will sink, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's, that, that, I mean, that's so true. Like I, I just, I had conversation yesterday and and the person you know they, they started it with sorry and I, my first response was I don't what are you apologizing, what are you apologizing for I don't need to, <laughs> I was like please you have nothing ones in this boat yeah you have nothing to apologize for absolutely yeah. nothing and you know you you've had four five six five weeks of programming now you know run that for another five weeks and then I'll make sure I message you and we can tweak it again from there if we need to yeah. You know, like, keep using it. You've got all the videos, you un- you know all the demos, keep using it. Use it, use it, use it. Because it's it's for you, I designed it for you, and I want you to stay fit, active and healthy, and I don't want you to apologise, you've got nothing to apologise for. Yeah. I will be here when, you know, when gyms reopen, and the gyms that I work in reopen, yeah. and I'll, yeah. I'll go back to them, and... And she and she just replied with, "I'm counting down the days till till our gym reopens, and I'll see you back then." And I was just like, "Well, I'll keep in touch in the meantime. Look out, yeah. you know. She's got a young family. Look after yourself, yeah. you know." And it's uh, yeah, it's oh, heartwarming I, when a... people do feel like, you know, when when they do look at the service that you provide and they really don't want to stop that service, but actually, yeah. you know, it's that's the difference between. I just think. I've said it to you before and you've 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 said it to me you've said it back I'm potentially sometimes too too personable but but right now I don't I I I think that you if you approach this solely as I'm a business I need to think like a business people won't people just won't resonate with you on that no and crap happens like shit Mm. happens all the time you know, you just gotta be. You've gotta. You've gotta understand other people, and that you've gotta understand other people's circumstances. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was I was in the gym in the gym independent gym forum the other day, and someone messaged on there saying that someone in a six month contract cancelled their membership. I was like, I'm not surprised. Mm. You can't go and chase them now. You know, the poor whoever it was, whatever circumstance. You know, what happens if they have been made redundant? What happens if mm-hmm. you know they can't genuinely afford a gym membership? Secondly, you're not running your gym anymore, unfortunately. It's closed. So you can't blame people for cancelling their membership. Mm. You don't you can't provide them with a service. Mm-hmm. You know, so what like there's no point sitting and crying about it and saying that someone's broken their six month contract. That's not the answer. The answer should have been, you know, 
I've understood. I'm, I've now found out that you've cancelled your contract. You know, if there's anything that I can do to support you, you know, blah blah blah, all the rest of it. Let us know. Um, you know, here's something that might be able to help you out. Um, I hope everything's okay. I hope you and your family are safe. That's the type of message that that member should have got. I think. I think it all boils back to, um, you know, personal training. And I think a lot of people forget that it's, you know, I guess obviously that's, that is a gym kind of um, example, but being a coach, you have to be personable. Um, and I just don't, I, I struggle to fathom coaches that will go, oh, I can be a PT, awesome, 60 quid an hour, cracking. And, and then you all of a sudden you deal with, you know, a mum that's maybe you know, tired because her kids have kept her up at night, a CEO who's stressed with work, and you haven't got a clue how to deal with these people. Yeah. But because you think of, you're just thinking of the numbers, and, you know, it, I, I think that that's why it's, for a large part, obviously our industry in points can have a bad reputation because people don't treat people as people, as individual people. They don't have integrity for the way that they deal with people, um, yep. which obviously goes right back to the kind of keyword that we started this this podcast on. Um, I think if we could summarise with three, it doesn't have to be three, a couple of points that if you think back to everything that we've said throughout this podcast, that kind of Marines mentality just for dealing with, dealing, I guess we've, we've spoke about the situation now for the last kind of 20 minutes, dealing mm. with this situation, dealing with your fitness, health, um, nutrition goals at this time kind of your two or three nuggets what would you say to people first one's like take ownership there's no one else to blame but you and if you continue your life like that you will always be happy because you will only have one person to blame for anything that goes wrong and that is yourself if you didn't eat right yesterday it's not Beth Willis Fitness's fault because she's given you all the tools in the toolbox you've got every tool in the toolbox you've got three toolboxes full of tools to use the reason you didn't eat well yesterday was because you didn't eat well no one else it wasn't because Ocado messed up your delivery it wasn't because just eat is still available for takeaways um it, it's nothing it's not it's not your husband's fault or your wife's fault because they pissed you off so then you decided to go and eat a chocolate bar is entirely your fault and if you start to think like that in everything that you do in life you'll start to progress and be a lot happier you're taking accountability and you're taking ownership of that situation it's the same for your exercise it's the same for your sleep you know did you wake up and feel groggy this morning i woke up and felt groggy this morning why did i stay up too long did i drink caffeine too late in the day yeah. <laughs> was i hydrated enough mm. you know what did i have two portions of my dinner and i shouldn't have mm -hmm. there's all these things that you've got to think about but if you start realizing that you're the person to blame for these things then you might start growing in that area where you're not doing so well why is my business not running the way it should be oh it must be covid19 it's definitely covid19 maybe your business is running badly and you actually just need to take a bit of accountability and responsibility and ownership for the fact that it's not running that well. And what can I do to make it better? So I think 
ownership and accountability. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one side of things. Um, and then I think on the on the other hand, I think people need to realize that in three years time, this will be a blip. And if you think about all the positive things that can happen in one, two, three years, you know, this whole this whole situation that we're in is going to last 12, 16 weeks max. You know, think of all the memories that you can create and the areas that you can excel in and all of the things that can happen over the next three years when we're worrying about 12, 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. Not something to worry about. It's not something to bury your head in the sand over. Um, you know, there's so many amazing things that you can achieve in one year. You know, just yeah. because three months have gone down the pan, well, they've only gone down the pan if you haven't been productive during this time. But I think people underestimate what they can do in a year. Yes. So I think accountability, ownership, you know, be integral to mm-hmm. yourself. You know, anything that anything, anything that's gone wrong this week or, you know, you haven't exercised, whatever, you've only got yourself to blame. So have a little think, have a little talk with yourself. Why could that be? Go for a long walk, take technology away. Um, you know, clear the head, reset, start tomorrow, start tonight, start this afternoon, you know, start by, by, you know, making a healthy dinner, um, tonight, that can be the first positive step, start by going for a long walk at six o'clock, seven o'clock tonight, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, whatever it is, okay, and then the other thing is, never underestimate what can be achieved in a year, this, this year is not lost, Mm -hmm. you know, we've lost a few weeks so far, a few weeks. What's a few weeks in the grand scheme of things? How much can we achieve in a day, a week, a year? I think people underestimate. underestimate. And it's the same when they're trying to think about their goals. Yeah. So if you're trying to lose weight, you're not going to lose the weight that you want to lose in eight weeks. You're not going to lose the weight that you want to lose in 12 weeks. But if you compile that and compound it over time, as long as you're going in a positive direction, there's a lot that can change over a year. So try not to be too hard on yourself, but push, push, strive for those goals that are beyond what you what you, what you think um, is achievable because you can probably achieve, they're probably within reach. I'm a big fan of setting like a big, hairy, scary, audacious. I like that hairy and scary. Hairy and scary (laughs) goal. That kind of weird, weird monster that sits on your shelf or that sits in your journal or wherever you put it. And you kind of look at it and you think, oh, God, I don't want to look at that. That scares me a little. But if it scares you a little, I guarantee you it will motivate you a little too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, take, for example, I don't know, say you've just become a self-employed plumber. Write yourself a cheque for £50,000. And that's your target for the year. Mm. And as long as you hit X every month and you create X many leads every month, and you speak to this many people every month, and you create this many referrals every month, you might just hit that target by the end of it. Yeah. You know, so if last year, you know, we're on a financial topic now, I'm going on a bit <laughs> of a tangent, but if last year you earned 30K, and 50K is your, you know, you're a self-employed plumber or electrician, carpenter, I don't know where, where you work or what you do or whatever it is, doesn't really matter what sector, but personal trainer, whatever it might be, if you did this, write, write it down, make it real. 
like make it a real a real thing that can be achieved and 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 that sets the target and that sets the precedent for 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 the every single month moving forward like you say compound effect compounded yeah it's compounded it's not going to happen overnight so stop thinking like it like we're in this social media realm that overnight success everyone can become a everyone can become a youtube star and make millions like or you know Mm. sell products on instagram and make a few quid like it's just not going to happen you know and they probably it probably didn't happen overnight for them either they probably spent years working on wherever they got to um, yeah, you know, there's a famous. There's, 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 yeah, there's 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 five years behind every you know yeah. overnight success. Took me nine years to become an overnight success, like those yeah, kind exactly. of lines, and it, it yeah, it's exactly. true. It's yeah, you know, please. but we see the polished the polished pictures, the polished videos, and yeah. and you don't you don't necessarily look into into the background of things. But um, exactly. I think I think that was a kind of a, a good summary, a good place to kind of leave people. You know the marines mentality. Sorry if I go on a tangent. Sometimes I'll just get excited. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the the mentality of of stressing ownership, accountability, and integrity. I think they're three words that must have come up. You know, if I had a pound for every time they came up in the last hour, I'd probably be you know considerably better off. Like they, but that's because they're important. You know, they're words yeah. that I use every single day, and you know it's. It doesn't have to be just because I was in the army and you were in the Marines that we understand these words and that we apply them because you can read it in a book. You can hear about it at a presentation at work. You can, you know, your granddad could turn around and use it in a slightly different term when he's talking to you about things that he used to do. But it all comes down to wherever you hear it, you can hear it as many times as you like. You have to apply it. Yeah. And, you know, knowledge isn't power. Application of knowledge is power. So there we go. I think we'll leave it there. Happy days. Um, in terms of people reaching out to catch up with yourself, Ross, um, I'm going to put kind of Instagram, Facebook stuff um, all in the links below. Um, where's the best place for them to go to? Um, so if you want to check out a bit more in depth, go to my website. So www.ross-coaching.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then social media, Instagram, Facebook, at ross.coaching. Cool. I'll make sure all of the links are below. Um, I guess all that is left for me to say is thanks for jumping on the podcast. Um, and we'll maybe do another one one day. And hopefully when we're out of lockdown, um, we can catch up and go for our coffee as well. And a uh, flank steak. Yes. Sandwich. They don't do them anymore. <laughs> they don't do them anymore. Oh, no, no, it's terrible. We'll have to, we'll have to make our own. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ross. Catch you later, mate. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. Bye-bye.